Hey, welcome to the Life Church Green Bay podcast. It's our mission to lead the way in bringing the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We are so glad that you're here. If this is your first time joining us, would you connect with us? We want to do life with you. And there are so many ways we can do that from wherever you are in the world. You can get connected with us and other Jesus people in one of our Facebook groups by joining us for an online service every Sunday or connecting with people through life groups and pocket churches. To learn how to get connected and find your pocket, please go to lifechurchgreenbay.com. Again, so glad you're here with us today. Here's this week's message. Good morning. Open your Bibles to uh, Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18. If you don't have a Bible and you want to use one, just raise your hand and someone will bring you one. You can either borrow that or you can keep it. It's our gift to you. You can also take your smart device. And if you have your location services enabled on that device, we're going to automatically pop up. Otherwise, there's a button in the bottom right-hand corner. If you click on that, a search bar is going to come up. Type Life Church Green Bay in there. All the notes and scriptures, all the stuff you're going to see on the screen behind me have already been uploaded in there. Get that app. It's such a great app. I know that I say this and there's some things that we say all the time, but that's one of them. I started a new reading uh, plan by Stephen Furtick this morning. I'm so excited about it. I just finished one yesterday. It's just like a cool way for you to be kept on track. And like, sometimes it's good to just, like sometimes it's good to just sit down with the book, but sometimes you kind of need to be led through something so that you're not just kind of shooting in the dark. And so if you don't have that app, Download that app. Do it now. Do it before you leave here. If you're watching us live on our online campus, love you guys. Or if you're at one of our services at the Brown County Correctional Facility, love you guys. So glad that you're part of our family. Let's just clap for Jesus today. So I love words. Would borderline like to say that I'm kind of like a word aficionado? There's something to me about, I've always loved words, even back to when I was little, I just, like, I, I would, when I was a little kid, I would read the, the dictionary so that I could get words, bigger words. I mean, let's just be honest. Back in the day, I was doing it so I'd be a better arguer. But I feel like when you're a kid, if you're arguing with somebody and you come up with a word that they don't even understand, they just got served, right? You know what I'm talking about? Everybody's like, oh, you got dogged out because nobody understood what the word meant. So sometimes I didn't know how to use them contextually, but I really, really, even to this day, I love words. I don't use them now. To argue because, you know, Scripture says when you're a child, you talk like a child. When you become a man, you're supposed to talk like a man. And so now I want to use words in a different kind of a way. There's something about them that it just fascinates me. And so a few years ago, I, I kind of became a student of what's called etymology. It's not just the study of words. It's the study of the origin of words. Because I feel like if you know where your words come from, you'll be far better equipped to understand where they should be going. See, when you know the source of something, you'll be better to know the the destination of that thing. And sometimes we throw our words into places that those words shouldn't go because we don't understand what those words really mean. We don't understand the heart. We don't understand the spirit that comes behind those words. But there is great power In your words, whether you see them or say them or hear them, our words wield power. The right word used in the right season can change everything. Conversely, the wrong word used in the wrong season can change everything. Like words can change your mood or your momentum, your tone or your trajectory. You can be flying high one minute and then hear just one wrong word and suddenly you can sink lower than you thought imaginable. 
Like you can have what you thought was the presentation of a lifetime. You came in, you gave the pitch, you thought you nailed it. You thought you ran that meeting with such grace and style and just have one person say one thing negative, one thing that gets inside your heart that all of a sudden the whole thing was a total flop. Because a worthwhile word can fast forward your future, but a wayward word can derail your destiny. And we've all experienced it. Words that were either spoken to us or about us, like by a, by a parent or a teacher or a friend. Like when a parent tells you, man, you can be anything you want to be. Like, hey, first of all, y'all, that's our job. If God blessed you with kids, your job as a parent is to make them think they're better than they are, to make them think that they can achieve things that you never would have achieved. Like Sonny and I, we want our kids to believe that our ceiling is their floor. Like, so when my daughter who's 13 comes to me and she says she wants to be on Broadway, I shouldn't say, Psh, you're never gonna be on Broadway. I wanna talk about, woo, when you make it, I want the first ticket and I want you to sign it. And when you get your little star on Hollywood Boulevard, can I be there? Which by the way, did y'all see the Ice Cube just got his little thing on Ice Cube? throwing up gang signs and they're taking a picture. I was like, dang, I didn't even know he was still in. But my son, he wants to like play in the NFL. And I go like, why would I ever say, whatever, man. Like, he, like we, somebody has to play in the NFL. Somebody has to play at Lambeau Field so we can waste our money. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, where else are we going to go and watch people do what we wish that we could do? Like we took my son to uh, Alabama football camp. And it's the greatest college football program on earth. And if you don't believe that, you're wrong. And so like we, we took him and he played. And when we left, when we left, he was a commit. Like he was, they, they didn't know it yet, but they will. But he, like, he's an Alabama commit. And, and some people be like, man, Alabama has not never recruited a kid from Green Bay. Well, then my son hadn't been born yet. Why not? Hey, Alabama has to have 100 kids play on their team every single year. Why can't you be one of them? And when you start to speak things like that over your kids, when you start to tell your kids you can be anything that you want to be, it'll cause them to soar. But when you start to say things that are the opposite of that, they start to become the opposite of that. Some of you remember a teacher that said something crazy to you, that said something to you that you were like, what? Like, you're a teacher. You know you get paid to do this, right? Like, like did you do this because you hated kids and you got bullied and you wanted to get revenge? Or did you do this because you love kids and you wanted to build them up? Because sometimes it feels like they walked by and they said something crazy to you, like, Psh, Johnny just got an F. And you're like are, you, like, are you kidding me? Like, their words, the little thing that just came out of their mouth, it totally made you sink. You can have one little conversation with one other friend and all of a sudden that friend, you could get in an argument and all of a sudden that person said, Psh, don't nobody like you anyway. And all of a sudden it catapults you to sorrow and you feel like you're, she's right. Nobody, nobody likes me. Like, like just one sentence from somebody can totally make you sick to your stomach. Words have power. Words like, I'm so proud of you or you're such a letdown. Both yield such power, possess such power. And so for the next couple of weeks, I want to talk about the words that you choose to use because the words that we speak have the ability to either release life or release death, both over ourselves and over everybody who's in our circle of influence. They are a matter of life or death. So today I want to start this little journey about four weeks by talking about the value of the words you use. Let's pray. God, your words have the most value. So God, for just a few minutes today, we're going to pause. We're going to ponder. 
We're gonna think about the things that you had to say, things that, that were beneficial to us, things that were for our good and not for our disaster. We're for hope and for a future. And so today, I pray that you would breathe life, speak life, change us so that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart will both be pleasing unto you in Jesus' name, amen. Words. A couple of years ago, I did a series called Words. It's a little different than this one. I talked about individual words and I talked about the meaning of those words and then I tried to tie and correlate them to your life. But this time it's different. When I started to think about the words that I wanted to talk about, I thought, I don't wanna talk about specific words. I wanna talk about words as a concept because the quality of your life is determined by the words you use. It's not my opinion. Book of Proverbs says, you're gonna have to live with the consequences of everything you say. What you say can either preserve or it can destroy life. So because of that, you're gonna have to accept the consequences of the words that you use. I wonder, have you ever said something that you regretted? Like if you, could, like if you could see the words come out of your mouth, you said something and it's, oh, oh you try to catch it. Like, you can see it slipping through your fingers. like, no! <laughs> and you're like, gosh, I wish I could just push that foolishness right back into my mouth. You said something you wished you hadn't. You said something you wish you could take it back, but you can't because there's no idle words. There are no empty words. Every single word either adds value or it diminishes value. And so because of that, we're gonna have to accept the consequences of every single word we use because they have the ability to either bring life or to destroy life. I like how one version says it. It says the power of life and death is in the tongue. Everything God created, he created with words. You look at the creation process in the book of Genesis. Over and over, it says, and God said, and there was. And God said, and there was. And God said, and there was. He never one time waved his hand. He didn't have a magic wand. He didn't have no potion. He didn't clap his hands like the clapper, although that's one of the greatest inventions of all time. He only created by speaking. And since we were created in his image, it would be an obvious assumption for us to make that there is something significant in the area of our speech, that the area of our speech has a creative force either in life or in death, in our lives and in the lives of everybody around us. By the words of your mouth, you are either releasing one or the other. You are either releasing life or you are releasing death but there is no middle ground when you speak because there is value in the words that come out of our mouths. They bring value either to God's bottom line or to the enemy's bottom line. And the question is, whose economy do you wanna sow into? Are your words pushing people to God or are they pulling people from God? There is value in every word that you will say every day of your life. What's the value of yours? So today, I just wanna, I wanna help you to determine that. And I wanted to be as simple as possible. And so I broke this whole concept down to two points, two thoughts, two ideas about the value of words. Here's the first. Your words connect you to God. Now, I'm sure you all know this, but I think sometimes in the church world, we make certain assumptions 
that people know certain things or that they understand certain things or that they know certain words and will use certain words. Pastor Sonny calls it Christianese. And so we'll speak Christianese. And so like we'll open scripture and we'll make assumptions that people know who the people are that we're talking about or that they've, that they've heard the stories. But the truth of the matter is most people actually only know five stories. Uh, most people actually think that Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. I know that that sounds foolish to us, but to the layperson, that's a very, that would make sense. They go, oh, okay. Some people think that Moses landed the ark on the mountain. They go, oh yeah, it's Moses. Oh yeah, there's a guy in the ark. And so sometimes we make these assumptions. We make these leaps because we forget when we didn't know. Me, it wasn't that long ago that I didn't know these stories. You know, I I got the Jesus thing in my 20s. And so I spent lots of my my life being naive. And so sometimes we think that people understand concepts that they don't. And so uh, just just go with me as I kind of simplify a concept for you. Most of us have heard this, but some of us don't understand that, that there is a separation between us and God. Some would call it a chasm. That separation or that chasm was not created by God. It was created by us. And it was created and caused by us because as soon as we are cognizant, we are conscious, consistent sinners. In fact, scripture says that we were born in sin, shaped in iniquity. So from the very time that we come into this world, we are like sinners, but from the minute that we're conscious of it, we are very consistent sinners. We're really, really good at it. And the reason for that is because we have both the beauty of free will and the battle of free will. Like, doesn't it seem like the first word for so many people is the word no? Kids learn that word quick, don't they? And they learn that, and they'll say that word confident. They might say some other words uh, tepidly, but they, they don't say, mm-hmm, there's nothing hesitant about no with some kids. No! You're like, hey, you want to get in your uh, time for bed, get in the bath? No! And they, they learn that, and, and they learn the word mine. That's another word that they learn real good, that mine. And kids, not your kids, but other people kids, kids from other churches. They, they're, they, they're, uh, they're selfish and self absorbed and self-centered. And the reason for that isn't because they're bad kids, it's because they're sinners. And that sin in us uh, comes because of a choice that we made. And so when you take that choice and you couple it with the sinlessness of God, the sinfulness of man creates a separation. And that separation in truth is actually caused by our guilt, both the guilt that we have and the guilt that we feel. And the only connector between our guilt and God's grace is words. Words are how God comes from the spiritual realm where he lives down to the natural realm where we live. In fact, words are the only bridge between God and man. To which some people who are professional Christians or professional church people, they'd say, uh-uh, I'm gonna slow your role play. I thought that was, I thought that the bridge between God and us was Jesus. Isn't he the one who said, no one will come to the Father except through me? And so when you say that, after I say that words are the bridge, I say that we will just have to agree to agree because we are both right. Because scripture says Jesus is 
the word, John 1. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. It goes on to say, and the word became flesh and it dwelt among us. If you go to the Psalms, which if you don't know where that is, just take a left and go like to the Old Testament. The Psalms say God sent his word and his word healed them and his word delivered them from their destruction. Like, do you see the value that is in words? And so if God uses the word word as an analogy for who his son is, don't you think that we should choose ours more wisely? Aren't you glad he chose his wisely? So there's this separation that our sin caused between us and God, but God spanned that separation with his word. Interestingly, when we look at how it is that we come into relationship with God, we come into relationship with God through words, by the receiving of his word and the releasing of our words. Book of Romans, the word is near you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe it in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified, but with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So God sent his word to reach us. We send our words to receive him. And when we bring our words into agreement with his word, it says we are saved, redeemed, rescued, revived, restored. And the reason that God required us to have confession, to open up our mouths and confess that Jesus is Lord, because what we really believe in our heart comes out of our mouth. If you don't believe that, you can fake it till you make it, until you get around some birds of a feather. You can try to be positive all you want. But when you get around somebody negative, you're either going to cause, like there, there, is a, there is a spirit within you that is either weaker than the spirit that is in them, or there is a spirit in you that is stronger than the spirit that is in them. And so when you are who you are and you get around people who are negative, if you become negative, it's not their fault. They're, they just have this, there's a magnetism that's pulling out of you what's really out of you. And you don't have the ability to make it because you don't have a strong enough spirit of positivity in you. And so whatever you get around, you're gonna speak, like when you get around people and people gossip, do you join in or do you try to put an end to it? Most people join in. And the reason that they join in is because their heart is foul. Scripture says our heart is deceitful. And so we wanna be one thing, but because our heart is so filled with filth that whatever is inside our heart is the thing that's gonna come out in times of stress or in times of turmoil. And so this is what Jesus had to say about it. He said, therefore, I say to you, every sin and blasphemy. Now, let me just explain the word blasphemy because that's like a hot word in the Christian world. The word blasphemy, all that means is evil speech. So listen to it that way. Therefore, I say to you, every sin and evil speech will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy or evil words against the spirit, that won't be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against the son of man, that's gonna be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, that won't be forgiven them either in this age or in the age to come. And he tells us why later, because it's a matter of the heart. 33, either, the, either make the tree good and the fruit good, which pause just for two seconds, because this is a metaphor. And Jesus is metaphorically saying that the tree is the heart and the fruit is the mouth. 
So check this. Either make the tree or the heart good and the fruit or the mouth will be good. Or else make the tree or the heart bad and its fruit, the mouth, is gonna be bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. And when you've heard that a million times, people have looked at that and said that that's all about action. And yes, it is about action, but at its core, it's about your words. Because a tree or a heart will be known by its words. Because out of the abundance of your heart, he says next scripture, your mouth speaks. For a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word man speaks, they will give an account of it on the day of judgment. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. Our words are so important that God is keeping track of every single one of them. And I don't know what the system is that he's choosing to record it. I don't know the value of a single word, but I do know that our words are so valuable that he's keeping track of every one of them, recording every one of them, remembering every single word you speak until we make our words come into agreement with his word. And when our words come into alignment with his word, his word says he will remember your sins no more. And so the only way for us to have the ugly words that we have spoken deleted from the hard drive of heaven is to cause our hearts, which is where our words come from, to come into alignment with his heart, which is Jesus, because our words connect us to the word. Our words connect us to God. Here's a second point about the value of words is that words connect us to each other. And they will connect us either in a positive way or in a negative way. We all have the words of someone grafted into our hearts and minds because your words can preserve life or destroy life. They can build a bridge or they can build a barrier. Think about this. Anytime you've ever had a disconnect from somebody in your life, words were involved. Anytime you've ever had a reconnect with somebody in your life, words were involved. Want a good marriage? Have a good mouth. Bad mouths produce bad marriages. Good mouths produce good marriages. I cannot believe how so many people will speak ugly things about their spouse when their spouse isn't around. Like, are you kidding me that you're gonna get with your homeboys at a bar or you're gonna get with your little girlfriends at the nail salon and you're gonna say, well, you know, my man, he's a dog. He can't, he, he don't even have a good job and all he does is this and all he does is that. You know what I've discovered? People will usually become whatever you speak over them. If you speak positivity about people, they'll generally live up to that. But people will live up to the height of whatever it is and they'll live down to whatever the depth of it is. Like, Sonny, y'all, listen to me. Sonny used to talk about me by faith. Y'all, she used to walk around and talk about, oh, he's a good man and he's a good dad and he's a good husband. And pretty much I think she was just praying out loud and she was letting you, everybody else be involved. And I think she was speaking by faith to God that said, your word will never return void. And I hope mine don't either. Oh, he's such a good man. And oh, he's so energetic. And oh, he, he loves us so much. And he, because listen, if you read Proverbs 31, which if you want a really good book to read and you're new to the Jesus thing, just get into Proverbs. Read the first four books of the New Testament, which is the story of Jesus. 
and read the Proverbs because they're the story of wisdom. And if you want wisdom, you've got to install it. And so Proverbs, there's, there's 31. It's almost like God thought about it before he wrote it. But in the 31st or the last chapter of the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom, it talks about what in the church world, we call her the Proverbs woman or you, you call her a virtuous woman or a woman of noble character. And in 31, it, it like lists all these things about her. And it's like a great resume about this particular woman. And it talks about how she talks and how she acts and how she conducts business and, and all of these beautiful things. And in the middle of the description of who she is, it says, and her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. But all the verses in the front and all the verses at the back of that verse actually talk about what she did. It doesn't talk about what he did. In other words, because of the way that she spoke, because of the way that she conducted herself, because of the way that she conducted business, her husband was blessed, her kids were blessed, her whole family was blessed because she was a person of noble character. I wonder if she had been the opposite. What would the scripture have been able to say? Her husband isn't respected in the city gate. He doesn't have a seat among the elders of the land. And so that was Sunny. While I was still a dog, y'all, she talked about me like I was the dude. And some of you, you're speaking death over your spouse and wondering why your marriage is dying. You have got to speak life over your marriage. You got to find something that your spouse does good and camp out on that thing, right? Everybody does something good. Like it might only be one thing, but you gotta find that thing. Like if the only thing that your spouse does is get up out the bed in the morning, you better talk about how they get up in the bed and I'm gonna talk about, baby, you are so good every day, no matter what. Boy, you get up out the bed and just, yeah, man, good job for being used awake. You're awake today, boy. You're the best get her upper out the bed <laughs> that I've ever known. And then you don't just tell him, tell your girlfriends, get her on top of, woo, my man gets up every day. He gets up out the bed every day he wakes up. And when he wakes up, y'all, whoo, he's awake. And crack a 10 every day. He pulls those covers off the bed and gets up. Can't nobody watch talk shows like my man. He just sits and he eats up all the food and he's so good at it. It's just, he's the best getter upper that I know. Girls, guys, don't talk about your wife like she can't cook. You, you need to talk about how she's the best restaurant orderer that you know. That's like, okay, listen, man, you don't even know. We go to the restaurant, she's the first one to order. She already knows what she's gonna get or she's the best shopper that I know. If you want your wife spending money, you need to have your wife be around my wife because she is a great money spender and she could she can shop, boy. She knows all the sales. She, she doesn't clip no coupons either because that's not fun. She's just a great, a great chopper, isn't that? Just, just find something that they do good and talk about it. Ephesians actually gave me that idea. The book of Ephesians said, husbands, love your wives just as Jesus loved the church. He gave himself for her and he gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. Friends, are you washing each other with your words or are you defiling each other with your words? Too many of us in our culture are defiling each other with our words. We're speaking death when we should be speaking life. Today, you need to start speaking life over your spouse. 
You need to start speaking life over your kids. My kids are gonna get good grades this year and they're gonna be good kids at school and they're gonna be leaders and kids are gonna respect them. And when you begin to tell them that and when you begin to tell them that that's what you depend on them to do and that's what you know they have the ability to do, you need to speak life over your parents. Listen, they may not have been the best parents that you thought they could have been, but they were the best parents that they could have been. And you need to speak life over that because someday your kids are gonna talk about you the way that you talked about your parents. And do you want your kids having conversations with their kids about you the ugly way that you talk about your kids, your parents to them? Talk. Speak life over your boss. Don't get in the break room and let everybody dog your boss out. Your boss is doing the best job that they can. And if you begin to speak life over your boss, I believe that God will start to give you opportunity to be the boss. But the minute you start running your boss down is the minute that your opportunity is gonna stop coming out of the woodwork. Speak life over your neighbors or your coworkers, your friends or your siblings. Because scripture says we have to speak life over each other because words connect us to each other. How do you want to be connected? You want to be connected by blessings or by curses, by life or by death. And if you've created distance between you and somebody else or between you and God, it's because you are connected by death. But the same thing that you use to create the distance between you and God or you and other people is the very same thing that closes the distance between you and God and you and other people. Words. So today, let me help you close the distance by giving you something so simple. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. And if you're not taking notes, I want you to write this down because I'm going to give you seven words that will heal every relationship. Seven words that will heal every relationship. You ready? Here they are. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? You say those seven words, you'll heal every hurt you'll close every piece of distance. Here's six words that fall short. I need to ask your forgiveness. That would mean nothing to me. If you need to ask, go on and ask. You know how many people I've had say that to me, say, I need to ask your forgiveness, but then never ask for my forgiveness. So now you know, but you didn't do nothing about it. You want change? Just add one word. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? How do you connect with God? I was wrong. Will you forgive me? How do you reconnect with other people? I was wrong. Will you forgive me? And I wonder how many of you need to ask that question today. I was wrong. Will Would you close your eyes all across this place? Salvation, a big word, a simple concept. All salvation is, is saying, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? And when you say those words with your mouth and you believe them with your heart, scripture says you are saved. I wonder if you need to be saved today, rescued. Uh, You need a reboot. If that's you, I'm going to give you the opportunity to utter those seven words, I was wrong, will you forgive me? And here's how we're going to do that. In just a moment, I'm going to ask for people to do two things. First is with nobody looking around, everybody, the eyes are going to be closed. You're going to ask. So I'm, all I'm going to ask is that you raise your hand and make eye contact with me. And once you do that, I'm going to ask everybody in here to repeat a prayer after me. So if that's you, you say, Sean, I need to do that today. 
Would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me? Thanks, 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 thanks. Thank you. Thanks, 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 thanks. I'm gonna ask everybody in here to say these words. Say, dear Jesus, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? In Jesus' name, amen. Boy, we make it complicated, don't we? But that's about as simple as it has to be. Because if you said that and you believed it, we just read it, you are saved. Now, you're not perfect. You're gonna be challenged. In fact, you're gonna be more challenged now than you've ever been challenged in your life. And the reason for that is because before you didn't have an enemy, but now you do. Before you weren't a threat, but now you are. You are a threat to a very real enemy. We have an enemy in the world. The scripture says we wrestle, but not against flesh and blood, but against like a spiritual thing. And so there is a very real devil who hates you right now, particularly hates the fact that you just made a decision that can change the trajectory and the destiny of your entire existence and everyone who knows you. And so we wanna help you with that. You've just started what we would call your Jesus journey, a journey away from where you are toward where he wants you to be. So we wanna walk that with you. And it's really easy for you to help us do that. It's just take the card that says hello across the top, fill in whatever you want on the bottom, tear it off, check the highlighted spot that says I'm choosing to follow Jesus, put it in the black bucket when it comes around or take it out to the Welcome Center. Either way, we just want the opportunity to pray for you. I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes one more time and. Uh, don't leave yet because we're not, now Pastor Sonny's gonna close this out here in one second. I wonder though, like you just reconnected with God, but I wonder if you're here and you say, you know what, Sean, I need to reconnect with some other people. A spouse, an ex-spouse, a, a sibling, a kid, a parent, a boss, whoever that may be. But you've got, you know, you've got somebody in your life who you're disconnected, but you need to be reconnected. And if that's you, I just wanna pray for you. If that's you, would you just raise your hand if you're disconnected from somebody and you wanna reconnect? So God, for my friends in this place, I pray blessings, I pray peace, God, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. I pray that you'd give them the ability to reconnect, to say, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us this week. Did you know we have discussion questions for each message? You can download them and talk it over with your friends and family. Go to lifechurchgreenbay.com to download today.